Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Kevin Cashmore. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, we've been trying for a while and I had to do a little bit of coaxing <sighs> yep. and begging. Um, and we're doing it at my studio. So there's going to be yeah. some sound effects in the back. We have rehearsals in the back. There's noise. And all. So it's just going to feel like a dance studio yep, yep. in my massage room, gyrotonic room. Um, and we are meeting in person. And yes. how, how far away is Lake Stevens from here? How long? Oh, we're, yeah, it's, it's amazing that we are so close because I just basically drove over and I've driven by your studio many times. And didn't know how this was all going to work. So uh, about 30 minutes away. It's not that far. Because I think when yeah. I talked to Sean, he goes, I have a friend in Washington. Yeah. And he gave me your name. And I reached out. And then I interviewed Bill Strickland. He goes, oh, yeah. you need to interview Kevin Cashmore. I'm like, yeah. I've been trying. Yeah, it's been kind of a hit and miss for quite some time. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. Well, it's, it's like no. the thing. The podcast has been going on almost 40 years. But wow. I'm never going to run out of people. And sometimes I'm like, am I done? And then there's other, there's just more and more and more. And also when a friend says you should call, talk to my friend because they have mm -hmm. good stories. And I, I will reach out and sometimes people say, oh, my story's not interesting. And they get talking. I'm like, are you hearing what you're saying? <laughs> Your story's really interesting. Yeah. You can't really do those shows and have had a boring life. Like just that we go and pursue this and leave home to audition Absolutely. and move to different state, state country. countries yep there there's there it's never boring no and i was very blessed because that all happened in my 20s and so that was i couldn't have lived a better dream as you might call it because people always oh i wish i was this i wish it was that and when you pursue something and get it you are living your dream and that's what so many people go, I wish I would have done that. I hear that all the time. And in your 20s, that's your formative years. So. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of people I know, because I'm 64. Are you, I, are you close 63. To, okay, yeah, you're a baby. Um, <laughs> that people are like, as soon as I retire, then I'm going to travel and live my life. And we're like, oh, we did that in our 20s. And it didn't, for me, it didn't make it go away. It made it worse. Yeah. So now I'm like, I still want to travel. I just wish somebody would pay me to dance and travel, but that's not offered anymore. Mm -hmm. But the the to go do that like I don't know if you were an anomaly in your school but I remember the counselors saying what do you want to be when you graduate and I see they I want to be a dancer and they go no you right. have to pick a real job so nobody knew what to do with me yeah and back then not many people left their hometown like now people are so it's a very good point yeah it's like I was the one that like broke free mm -hmm. like, did you hear she left town and then the rumors yeah. where I was dancing naked on party boats and I was like, <laughs> said that straight like, I was not naked and it was a cruise ship but it was like the rumors just because like one, one escaped, <laughs> like yeah, one lived yeah. town. And I don't know. And so let's talk about where you grew up. Like, and also I, I love this question. Like what kind of kid were you okay. before we even get into dance? Because there's yeah. like a lot of us are surprised that we end up where we ended up on the big stages. Of, yeah. Um, only child, single parents. Uh, she did work for the state of California. So we moved about every two or three years. So I was pretty much a troublemaker. I would, back then we could latchkey kids and uh, uh, TV was a babysitter. And so it was kind of a, a different time. It was a very different time. Um, and that's as a kid, you know, I had a great family. Most of them were up here in the Northwest. I mean, my grandparents, my cousins still live in Oregon. So I had the best summers. 
I'd come up here and spend months and absolutely have the best extended family being an only child. Um, very artistic from an early age because my father was artistic. And um, so I always could draw, I always could paint. And then I really enjoyed outdoor activities like skiing, skateboarding. I mean, you're 12, 15, 16, you kind of start doing those things. Academically, I was average, but artistically, I excelled. And dance was not anything except for partying. Really? And back in the 70s, um, late 70s, because around 79, I graduated. Um, 78, I think, Saturday Night Fever. Everybody knows about it. And at that same time, so I'm about 17, 18, uh, there were bars and discos for underage kids. I remember those. Yeah. Kind of 18 to 21. So that's where we'd go and we dance. We went to gay bars. They didn't care. But again, as kids and even some high school kids that I was with would take us there. Um, I think they were, you know, not telling people they were gay, but, you know, it didn't really matter. Nobody cared. But we were just really enjoying ourselves. And so that kind of spawned it on that um I, I had the potential, but I needed to get some schooling or whatever. And I looked at it like an athlete. If it's a professional baseball, somebody like that, um, their physicality and what they could do. I was six foot tall, uh, you know, kind of average blonde guy. And yet the local studios were very happy to get any men that they could at that time. So we were very blessed. We mentioned some names, Sean. Um, we were all part of this group. There was a group of six or eight of us um that the studios were just super happy to have us and so we dedicated ourselves for almost three to four years with these studios that and we'd go from studio to studio and and then uh, yeah the rest um one thing was like i said i was very artistic but i was also dyslexic mm. so dance in itself this is kind of jumping a little ahead i'm sorry but uh dance itself helped me because when I was a child, um, reading, like you might be in a setting like this, and it would happen in a church, you know, the kids and you know get together in a circle and you'd read. And they'd say, okay, now it's your turn to read that part of the book or the scripture or whatever. And, or even in class, I could not do it. I would stammer, stutter. Um, but my point being, knowing that I had those issues, and when dance came into my life, just to let you know, um, the confidence, the getting past that, uh, not I can read in front of people now or something like that, yeah. memory. Um, because in all these classes that we take, I would struggle trying to remember said steps. Yeah. And the dedication and getting to that point really helped me to where I could, I actually learned a show in seven days, complete and performed it. That's some years after you know our time, because I had gotten to the point that my body was used to it. It isn't used to it now. I can't remember my name. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, so that's kind of the the younger me coming. I have a question forward. about that because my late yeah. husband was um, a, a dyslexic and ADT. Yeah, and I've talked to quite a few people that are dyslexic. Yeah, because you're. you're I don't know if you're seeing the whole thing backwards or let it, but when you're learning choreography, isn't that a challenge of like left and right? Like, did you have to overcome that to learn choreography yeah, because no. how your brain is even seeing it? Right. It, it, what's happening is your brain works very fast. Yeah. 
And so you need to slow yourself down. And when you do that, you're actually okay. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but when it came to performing or learning said dance steps, and this will go for every performer out there, is when you're learning something, you get the lower half first. Mm-hmm. Then you let go of it. So you learn the steps. So my, my bottom is doing this. Now what does the choreography choreographer would like us to do? What are my arms doing? Then you add on top of that the emotional expression that he's trying to do. If it's modern, if it's jazz, those are the next thing. But as far as somebody with a dyslexia uh, situation, um, it's weird because all of a sudden it becomes part of your body, repetition. Um, anything that you need to practice, dance comes into that as an answer as far as repetitiveness, strength, confidence, being in front of people. A lot of mine, I, I choked up being in front of people. Mm. You know, So that was one of my things I had to get over. And um, now people think, oh, talking to me, you must have been in show business or something because I'm still kind of very, I'm very proud of that time. Uh, but it was something that I had to overcome. And um, uh, yeah, it was very interesting transitioning from somebody that wasn't into the dance world to somebody that actually became a professional working entity in the, in the profession. And you didn't start at three. Like most of us no. little girls were put in there and a lot of, I talked about it, yeah. it did start till later. Yeah. I used to work in a studio that sometimes if we wanted partnering, yeah. the owner of the studio, son played football. And so we would say, we want guys to partner. Well, they knew this is where, these are mostly straight guys that go, mm-hmm. this is where all the girls are. I'm like, yeah. why would we not? And I'm like, this is beautiful marketing. And then the girls, that's the thing also when I talked to a lot of the tall girls from Bluebells, mm-hmm. we're too tall to our partner. So when you ah. get a, a guy who's six feet, I remember crying the first time I was lifted because I thought, I never, I'm always in the back. I'm the boy. I'm always the partner. So for us girls to have someone strong enough and mm-hmm. to get to to be lifted or mm-hmm. like promenaded, all that, it's like a lot of us get emotional because we thought, well, you know, I missed that at 12 years old. I out or there was no boys in class. So what was that like coming into a studio starting late with probably these girls who've been doing this their whole life, very, looking at these big mm-hmm. guys that are like, this yeah. can be really exciting or like, why are you here? Yeah. So my first time of being in said studio was a classical straight ballet studio. No real jazz, but we need to get our foundation. And we're standing at a bar. I'm 18 years old with 10 year old, 11 year old girls that are about chest height and just doing the basics. And it did not feel very comfortable because again, I felt like a man in a beginning ballet ballet class with very young, but that was our level. From that, Sean Cronin, as we've mentioned many times, was with Laverne Cray. And she was a lady synonymous in Carmichael who had opened a studio and she wanted everything for ballet, tap, jazz, and the whole nine yards. So I went from that over to that entity and we felt way more comfortable. Um, And it, it just kind of was easy because a lot of, our performers that we also worked with were our age. So we were not with youngsters doing, you know, Red uh, Red Riding Hood and, you know, (laughs) we're the hunter and this is a little kid and we're this giant with her. Um, But we were doing a lot of performances that were old Sacramento would have their festival or their street that we'd dress up, she'd get us all. And so we were probably all within the ages of like 18 to 24. 
you know, so. I'm gonna do this real quick because we're gonna rehearse it now. I didn't know it's gonna be recording, but also they're not supposed to be rehearsing in the lobby. So, so that's kind of the younger days is being a part of all those and getting into more of a rounded performing rather than just said um, ballet. I never felt that I was a ballet person, but everything as a technician, performing, my abilities were all based on that. You know, so you I never take to it right away was ballet. The thing that like, a lot of us did it so young, it's like yeah. when you learn the foreign language at three, it's different in high school. Like you're just going to get through your test. Yeah. But it doesn't, doesn't sink in the same when your brain is real malleable and your body too. But I think 18, there's a delay. Yeah. There's still, there's still yeah. a benefit of waiting. Right. Um, again, um, so Laverne Cray and then Nolan Tassani is the ballet guy inside. He had Capital City Ballet. Fantastic. Sean also went there. Uh, we've got pictures of us all together. It's pretty crazy. And his dream was to have actually paid working performers. So his style, and you're speaking about ballet, ballet has different kind of styles. Um, his description was with Balanchine and he'd have the black leotards and this, the classic white tank, but hands were very masculine and, but soft and, and it really fit to partnering. Oh my God. He was just a fabulous partner. And uh, he ended up, stopping his career because he had a knee injury. He was at the top of his career and just kind of bowed out and people were like, well, why don't you come back? But he settled back in Sacramento where he was from. We were lucky enough to be trained for a few years with him. And uh, he is from that. Um, I knew that I wasn't a ballet person. Uh, music circus is one of the events that happens in Sacramento. I dreamed about being a part of that. Uh, my dream, was to go to New York. Mm. My dream was to do New York. And the auditions came up, as we talked earlier. Uh, we both have gone down that path. It became now work. Yeah. Did anyone encourage you? Because like at 18, people are like either going off to college or their trade school. Yeah. And you're supposed to figure yeah. out your whole life purpose. And like, I was, you're just now falling in love with dance. Yep. Like, I was an only child, remember? So I was pretty independent. I have, I have a great family base. My aunts and uncles are, are just the most amazing people. I could, you know, go on and on about them. But as far as when it came to dance, I also had really good friends in high school that accepted me uh, because I'm sure they were wondering, is he gay? Is he this? Is he that? Because my senior year in high school, maybe my junior year, I actually got involved in the performing Part, and there was a lady, the teacher, Judy Moss, who is amazing, who actually would take me to the local productions and the shows mm. to really get those juices flowing. And um, I was dancing and partying on the outside, you know, like I said, um, the clubs during the, we, we just love to go dancing. But all of that, my friends that knew me saw this kind of evolving. And at lunchtime, I'd actually lock myself in a big studio room kind of like what your studio is at i'd start making up choreography and i would do things and i would dedicate myself this is before taking classes wow. and so i was doing that yeah i was just trying to learn and choreograph and, and be uh you know and there was a couple of shows 
performing art shows that I was asked to choreograph. We got to do it and the kids were very accepted. So with all that, I knew I was on a path, except I didn't have any money. Mm. Got tired of not having money, I guess you could say. And so I didn't know. I didn't know if I was ever going to get a job and make money at my passion or what I really decided I was enjoying doing. And uh, then it started and then it never stopped until I stopped, you know, in 1990. I just uh, interviewed Kelly Woodruff, who was in Hello Hollywood. No, no, of him. Okay. I don't know. We didn't work I think, together. I think I he was like a lead or something, wasn't he? He got out there, but he yeah. started really late. Mm-hmm. And I think when females start late, it's not so long. Maybe because we're expected to have the higher kicks than more. It's so flexible. hard on women. It's so hard on women. And there's too, there's too many of us who want right. a job. But for men, I think there's an advantage of waiting. I don't know. And maybe it is like you're doing other things that are strengthening your body that when you start to get into Adagio, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a lot of guys that I know that are wonderful that started later. Mm-hmm. But for a girl like, yeah, if I, you're four years old, not doing that yet. You don't have a chance. <laughs> and you know that from such a young age, that's all you know. Yeah. For the guy, he pretty much, yeah, he too. got it out of his system. And now he's more like an athlete rather than a child of like 10 or 13 and he's in the studio um i'm gonna throw a name out mitch hale does that ring a bell mitch hale mm-hmm. the reason i say his name is because he was amazing i mean he and i have reconnected uh we have the same uh friends but his mother had a studio he was a ballet studio and then he got into our profession which is more like the reviews and stuff like that and he's worked with many famous people, but yet he was a guy that did start because his mom had a studio and his sister are part of that. So I can see he's posted pictures of him like all in the ballet outfits and everything, which, you know, I never had that history, but it's pretty amazing. And I think he's very, very talented gentleman. Right now he lives in Tacoma. Oh, I gotta reach out to him. Yeah, yeah. And you think we sit next to each other in these dressing rooms with such a different training that got us there and when we all end up there, Mm-hmm. And then we do afterwards. So what was it that got you from there to just how, like, how do you get on? I remember, how do you get an audition? I knew it was going to be a dancer. I didn't know where to go, how to do it. And you just figure it out. Or one person gives you a little right. nugget and you follow that and then it opens yeah. up. But what was it that made you go, I can actually make money. I don't have to be a starving dancer. Well, I just had dreams locally every summer. There would be music circus. And that was spectacular because it would be a season. They would do because it was just over the summer so it must have been every week two weeks or something they would do a new show fell in love with west side story and all these like kind of guy musicals that you would see and uh, never never happened and so i kept going and trying to figure out i've got to be not in sacramento but maybe los angeles or new york how's that going to happen and i'm at the local studios and the local studios are being very gracious to us we we love them to pieces. Um, and it was just one of, you know, Sean, the name has come up many times. He's the one that said, hey, this is happening up here. Uh, you should come up and audition. And of course, from Sacramento to Reno, it's like an hour drive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. It kind of started out as a bumpy beginning because we did the audition, which is a whole other story. But uh, I didn't get hired. And, and Jillian Hoshoe is the company manager with Adrian. And she just said to me, she goes, great job, but I just don't have any openings. And then we we're like, okay. Simultaneously, there was another performer uh, gentleman. His name was Brian Davis. 
loved him. He was another Sacramento boy, just like that. And as we were doing our thing, he had previously got auditioned. And we saw him go through a roller coaster, like, okay, you're hired. And this was like six months before we even auditioned. So we're kind of all in the same studios. He's waiting to go. And then it got taken away from him. Oh. And he had gone and had parties and celebrated that. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. And we were just, and it was the worst for that poor guy oh. because he got hired. He got, to, I don't know what the story was, but everybody had already had parties for him. And then when we auditioned, we got it. And he's still waiting to get in the door. And six months after we got hired, he then really got hired. But what it put him through wouldn't be anything I'd want anybody to go Some people just give up. That's the thing. Exactly. The persistence of like, I'm going to do it again. What was your audition like? Do you remember? Was it uh, like, because sometimes they're between shows and the whole cast is there. Right. Sometimes it's like two people in the basement. It all depends. This was a full-on contract change. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, the contracts run six months to a year. If you're, if you are in a um, different country, they're going to, contract you for a year in the states they were about six month contracts i've done a year and i don't know that i had a choice i don't know if that was i think it was the first contract change huh. so maybe it changed because i've heard six months I mean, yeah. i'm glad i did a year yeah but i don't well, know that every I other contract i think Rena right. was the only one i did six months yeah. um i'm sorry what was the question i don't know i was just like the audition like because i was thinking, oh like, that's the right contract changes yeah. sometimes the whole cast so this was yeah were this... they re-auditioning cast members that's what i was getting to now this was a open call so okay. we're gonna have the contracts come out whoever's gonna leave it's probably announced that they were going to leave or you know don arden was there this was a big deal we didn't know that it was just an audition and it's like this huge show on a huge stage so I had done auditions that were more intimate and it was you and somebody else and they're just checking you out to see if you'll fit. That's later in my, my career. But this was cold. This was huge, vast. You'd look out and see all these seats that would be full of people. And it was intense as far as, again, I was an only child, way back when, dyslexic, kind of like, we've gotten some performing experience, but to this level was really interesting. <laughs> I was the biggest stage. Yes, yes, a whole plane gets put up there, the <laughs> elevators, the staircases, yes. And so it felt pretty good. Yeah. Uh, did have Sean, again, I keep bringing his name up. He was there. There was uh, the other guy. There was probably a group of about four or five of us. So we were okay that way. And it all starts out as let's do some steps just to see if you guys have any ballet training, um, any jazz training or anything like that. And so we do this and it was okay. We were feeling pretty okay. Uh, now we're going to give you some numbers in the show, which were called Heat Wave, Top Hat, <laughs> and Mickey Hotel gave that audition. And okay, we, we felt pretty good because Sean had actually kind of helped us a little bit, you know, before the audition, this audition we'll, we'll, we'll practice a little bit and it should be fine. And we did it and everything's feeling pretty good. And then everything changes to something I could never imagine in my life. Um, people talk and there's little stories about Don Arden liking to, you know, check out the guys and all these kind of weird stories that we just, man, we didn't think anything of it. So I then meet one of the guys auditioning with me, who I think he, Seamus Brennan was his name. So he's on stage. He's a hunk. He's a ginormous guy. 
And he's there. So we sort of become acquaintances. We stand there. They put us together all the time. I was nothing like his size at all. Um, I think I was about the same height or a little, just a bit taller, not much. But I could tell that they were really into the bodies, you know. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden it's announced that, okay, everybody, now this is the group audition that we would like you to take about five or ten minutes, uh, make up a couple of counts of eight. What? And we'd like you to come back and ad-lib for us. And we're like, okay, hmm. Okay, now you got to remember my first time on. I'm excited about the word possibility. I think this is really cool, but still, it's still like an out of body experience. Um, so we come back out, but they say, Oh, actually, we need to see you, your skin. And I'm like, What? <laughs> like the dance, but like because it is a show, it's an adult show, so you're going to see the legs. The girls are topless on the show. So there's there's things that are very adult about what I'm going to share at this moment. But yet it's very respectful. It's a closed audition. And so I was totally out of sorts, basically. But here we go. And on top of that, when Sean was helping us, he said, don't worry. You're going to learn a little bit and all this stuff. And any ad-living is going to be another group of performers, not you guys. So you don't worry. It's going to be easy. All of a sudden, cold sweats, the whole thing is happening. It's my turn. And I had, at that time, the movie A Course Line came out. Mm -hmm. And there's this black performer who is just spectacular. Give me the ball, give me the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does this step. And all I did was remember that step and copy it. So what that was, was um, pottery, pottery, shenay, shenay, like a double turn, jump split, straddle splits, shenay out of it. I mean, I don't know, which is everything I could do very quickly. And they liked it. Uh, okay, great. So let me put my clothes back on. Um, <laughs> Are you doing it in a G-string? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, I just didn't think of anything. Okay. Um, my mother, anyway. Um, yeah. So, and uh, it was just one of those things that I wasn't prepared for. And we did that. And now they kept us. And then they said... Okay, uh, this afternoon, we're going to have the entire cast on stage, all the guys, because this was the guys, the girls had a different auditioning thing that would go on. At that time, we all got on stage, because they just probably wanted to see us stand. They had the entire cast, and then me and, I think it was just me and Seamus were left, stand to the very end of the line. Okay, great. Okay, everybody, turn around. We're like, oh, God. So we turn around, stand there for like 10 minutes. We're like, oh, God, this is what they were talking about. He wants to you know, check out our cheeks or whatever. <laughs> and this is Don Arden. He's there. Everybody, I think Bluebell was there. So this was a very straight, uh, tough audition. Then we turn back around and he goes, okay, you guys, uh, we would like all of you to ad lib. So I just repeated what I did the first day. And all the other guys were totally not prepared. They ran off and got their costumes on, get silver boots and their space <laughs> outfits. We're like, what the hell? Um, so anyway, everybody had to go through that whole audition. And uh, I I'll remember this to the end of the, you know, we finished and Mickey Hotak, who, who was the captain of the ponies at that time, I didn't know who she was. She just walked out and said, really nice job, really mm -hmm. nice job. We'll probably see your name in light sometime. I was like, are you? Wow. Totally unknown. And then John Paul Reeves, who is a very dear friend, came up and I'll remember this as well, just said great job and was just very personable, very professional. 
everybody in that whole situation was incredibly professional. And we left without a job, basically. Went back to Sacramento. But I felt good because I didn't get cut. I think that's the biggest downer of anybody is to audition. You get your hype up. And uh, we did have a friend there who was auditioning as a singer. And fantastic voice. Just an incredible voice. Got laryngitis the day of the audition. We were like, what? So, yeah, his... It was really tough to watch him when we knew that he had super talent and would have been a wonderful addition to the show. Um, but he continued on and did other things later in life. But it was just so sad to get to see him get laryngitis. It was crazy. Oh so, yeah, saw a lot of different things that I, in future auditions that we would watch, because I, in and out of MGM was about a three-year period, was a year and a half, went to Europe came back, uh, Jillian was able to bring me on for a short time because uh, I didn't want to be on a contract the second run. And when did you, how long after that audition before you got to get into the show? Um, so I think we auditioned in August. They had to wait for someone to leave to get you in there, right? Well, it's either somebody was leaving okay, right, because I was, uh, so thank you very much, thanks for auditioning, but right now we don't have any openings after going through that entire craziness. Um, and I went home. I just went home. And so, like I said, August. And what they do, it's like a couple of months before the contract ends. And so I believe it was like October. Because I turned 21 then in November. And I keep thinking of September, October. But I was called a month later by Jillian Hashoni that says, we're hiring you. Mm. I was just beyond myself because, again, she had said there was nobody leaving. That meant somebody had to be let go. They let go three guys to bring in Scott Burrell, Seamus, Brennan, and myself. Wow. And, yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, so then we just started the beginning of the year with the audition, uh, the, uh, the rehearsals, excuse me. And we're doing that. And, yeah. How was that process? What like process? Learn, learning the show and, like, so a lot of us have talked about like you get thrown in there so fast. I know for me, I replaced Diana Huffcroft, mm -hmm. but then she became a swing. Yeah. But you're learning and they throw you in a couple numbers at a time. Some people like that, that rehearse for months, like weeks and weeks, yeah. maybe a month for the beginning. The That's they got thrown in there. Yeah. How was that learning it? And then you're trying on costumes maybe right before you go on stage. And you're going downstairs and you were trying not oh, to fall off the staircase. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're trying not oh to fall God. into the elevator. Yeah, that was something I wasn't used to. It was like, okay, I'm used to this. What? Get on the elevator. It's going to go down. You're going to come up. It's going to go up. And you're going to go down. <laughs> I'm like, what? So, yeah, that was just a different experience because, one, uh, we were not – the girls had to wear – they call them, like, chandeliers where they have the jewels and the feathers and – these massive things that they would on these staircases. So as far as rehearsals and getting into the show, we, and it was a small group. We had Adrian and he would work with the, the group. There were like three or four of us. And so we would work a six or eight hour day, return again. And so it was just like work. Mm -hmm. And we would progressively learn a number. So there was a set way of operation where the regular learning the steps then we're going to bring in once we know that you guys are comfortable we're going to pull in a day rehearsal with the entire cast of the boys. we don't need the other people just your group 
And they knew where we were going to be. So maybe the other person had to reverse it. Yeah. So I'd learn it to the right. We'd all learn it to the right. Okay, uh, Kevin, now you're going to do it to the left. So then we had to reverse the choreography because I would be on the other side of the stage. So when the boys came all together on stage, we would all know where we go because that would be your spot. And by that point, we were pretty all dialed in. This was standard procedure. I've been in other shows where it's very private. It's you and the, the person teaching the choreographer and you're learning it, cramming it, learning it as fast as you can. And you're going in the show tonight. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, um, well, no, you, you'd have a, you'd have a blocking. You always have blocking and you have to understand downstage, upstage, stage, right, stage, left. Those are things you learn. So when you get to this level, you kind of know where you're supposed to go. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was like a real job and it ran like a machine because mm -hmm. we, the, the tuxedo or whatever we were wearing was zippered in the back. So you'd zip out of one outfit, zip right into a next. There'd be one dresser, they call them dressers, uh, Jim Griffel, who's fantastic. Yeah, him and uh, Rick James, we call him Crazy Margaret. They'd have all these names, um, would be our dressers at that time. Super blessed to have them. And they'd be there and you'd step out of one costume, get right into another. So it was a machine, basically. I remember like at the opening number, because I was came on the airplane wing, Oh, God, yes. Did that number, and then I think it was, um, I had like three things in the beginning. Super fat, just drop everything and then put on the night and day, which are those like oh, really yeah. expensive, and then mm -hmm. drum that was so heavy, you could crash, put on heat wave. So you're running so fast, yes. and then you got 20 minutes backstage of just talking and knitting, and then- Right, because an act might be performing. Act, so it was so weird, you yeah. go work so hard, and then you yeah. rest, and we'd be in the middle of a joke, gotta get on the stage, I'm not done with my joke. <laughs> and so but then he would, like the, the show is gonna interrupt all the backstage stuff. It's really mm -hmm. interesting pace, because I've done musicals, right. where you're going, and you're mm -hmm. even if you're not acting the whole time, but it, it was like to go 100 miles an hour, and then go sit, and then go 100 miles an hour. And that's including the fast change. That's as much work as sometimes doing the kick line. That's fast yeah. change, running up and down stairs. But it is weird, the pacing of those shows. Because you like if you're going into it, you're learning it. You're like, okay, I got through that section. Right. Ah, what's next? Where are yeah. my costume yeah. changes? Where am I supposed to go? Like Even just figuring out mm -hmm. navigating backstage was a whole thing as a new person. Yep. So what, do you have any um, disaster stories? Because all of us seem to, because of <sighs> the the options to hurt yourself or somebody else or trip or fall or light something on fire or fall in the horse. Yeah. Um, no, when I was working, I would hear those stories too. Yeah. Um, from the waterfall actually flooding the audience. You'd hear these stories. But to be a part of something is the tragic. And I'm just going to touch on a couple of things that really did happen during the times that I was there. Um, the one that really sticks out is we had a trapeze artist that was fabulous, Jerry Dwart. Yeah. And here we are, the circus finale. And again, we all have to wait because the act has performed. It could be anybody from jugglers to animal acts to this gentleman who would go up over the audience in a rope and he would do his entire act swinging above do you remember him? i remember i remember watching that the light booth. right from the light booth it was really cool because you yeah. got to see everything from a different level 
so here we are. I was in a unicorn costume. <laughs> so these were these really cool fiberglass heads and giant horns. Sean was in front of me. So we were dressed. We really loved these costumes. And all we did was just kind of, I think it was Kiss Me Kate was the yeah. theme. Prancing. Uh, yeah. And so we would kind of walk down and then we'd prance. But we were guys in this get up. Anyway, so we're set up. And there's a pause. And we're like, what's going on? What's going on? Jerry Dora had actually gone to dismount to slide down, and there's a rope. The stagehands go up with the rope onto the stage, pull it tight. He slides down like Batman. Oh, yeah. The leather thing that he had grabbed a hold of had gone inside of itself. So as it slid, it tucked itself in, stopped him, and he went straight down. And he missed a table with people or something, but his elbows hit he broke both of his feet or heels, his heels and he, yeah. and he hit his elbows on the table uh he was pretty messed up and but see that's that's a circumstance that when you're in the middle of it you're like what is the show gonna stop what's going on the ambulance you know your mind goes in a hundred different directions and they took care of it professionally and then the show went on and so the audience was hopefully kind of swept away that we took care of this artisan he'll be okay and yet you're going to be able to see the rest of the show without it starting or stopping. Um, some things happened backstage. Uh, we had a couple of uh, incidences where, well, while we're changing, people are like throwing their shoes and they would use a trash can to catch the shoes. And the two guys that I came in the show with had something against each other. I don't know what it was. They would just eat at each other, Seamus and Scott. Well, Scott didn't care, but Seamus was just kept getting driven crazy and by something scott might have done he wasn't paying attention i don't know but james get really upset to the point that this was crazy so we're in the back of the stage flipping to get to the next show she must get so mad he punched and i was there he punched a blackboard there was a solid concrete wall behind the blackboard oh my gosh so we're like, uh-oh, we just keep moving. We don't like, oh my God, what's going on? Because he was just frustrated. Bam, he decided he was a very physical individual. Bam, punch the book. So we're not thinking of anything. We do the first show. There's going to be a second show. And Shima shows up. He's kind of to the latter part of the lunch hour there. And he's got a cast on his hand. <laughs> we're like, what happened? Well, you know, like, push the wall, blah, blah, blah. We're like, oh my God, what are you going to do, dude? You're going to like not do the second show? Oh no, I got to figure out how to get this cast off. They can't know. And I got to get that glove on, the white glove on my hand. We're like, oh <laughs> my God. So yeah, those kind of things would happen. Um, and yet they do kind of, you remember them because yeah. uh, circumstances. Other than that, I, I had some golden opportunities working in that show. Uh, I presented to Jillian that I wished. Uh, there were some uh, great numbers. We have a space number, the space parasis, as it was called. I got to do that. You did. I that got was to like do that. the highest. Of, yeah. Like everyone was, does the yes. Uh, um, Who's your partner? Yes. Oh, God. So, uh, Danielle. Danielle Colson? Um, she was a tall dude. She was beautiful. She also actually came from Sacramento. And the crazy thing was, was yes, in the back of my mind, I wanted to do this to show that I could do a dodge. And yet Danielle really wanted to do it. So everything I was doing was doing for her. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I kind of want to do it myself. And Jillian gave us the opportunity. And we ended up doing it, I think, 
an odd less than a handful of times because there's people and they have covers and for anybody to get the opportunity it, it's something else so yes i got to do that mm -hmm. which was super exciting i guess i was the lead at this second so they said okay go up the stairs and you're going to come out with a laser gun i'm like what so literally came out of the ceiling of the theater which is crazy is which is a space number yeah, yeah oh, whole space number. i remember this yeah. So, yeah, I was very blessed to be able to do that. Um, yeah. So I had a, a short amount of time because uh, I think I lasted about a year and decided to return to Sacramento. And Did you just feel kind of done? Because it's like, it's a, it's a lot of. of work and some people like yeah. want to keep going. So I'm like, that was nice. Yeah. And I want to do something else. Did you think you want to do more shows? Kind of because, again, my dream was to do New York. And again, I don't mean to sound egotistical in any way, but I had this goal. I was a technician by my training. I had studied other people in New York that I went to visit that asked me to go with them to Vegas because Reno. So I took a trip to New York and Chuck Kelly, Charles Kelly was a famous teacher there wow. and we'd learned his style. So when I went there and I spent a week, I slept on somebody's floor, you know, best time saw Vita, 42nd street, saw this inspirational stuff. When I left, Chuck Kelly says, by the way, I'm going to be in Vegas in about six months doing a master's class. If you can make it, I'd like you to assist me. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, I was more than tickled pink, you know, and I did that. I had auditioned for some shows in New York, Peter Pan. Uh, but again, they asked me, well, are you on contract? Of course I was. Uh, so it kind of ended quickly there. Uh, but again, I did the Vegas thing with uh, Chuck Kelly, and I also did help with Tremaine, ah. and a lady came up and asked me if I was his kid or something really weird like that. Um, so I've had all these amazing experiences being around very, very talented individuals. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, I had the opportunity to travel, to take the, this profession that I love so dearly, and uh I'll let you ask the questions again. Sorry. Yeah, where did you go? Um, because I know, like, we were saying before we recorded, like, I work for Gene Ann, I work for yes. Greg Thompson. These are like, a lot of this overlapped because the great thing backstage is you hear someone say someone's auditioning, or I love mm -hmm. working for that person. Like, hey, don't work for that person. Like, you get to know from a giant cast like that where the goods are. Like, where the good people are. No, that's exactly. Who work for, who's hiring? Like, what's it like to live? Like, I waited for Bermuda. I wanted Bermuda. And Greg Thompson could offer me other shows. I'm like, nope, I'm waiting till you offer me Bermuda. So yeah, I, just, I, I, I auditioned for him and I only ended up doing his sets because I also have the artistic oh, background. Really? So yeah, in Seattle here, about 92. Oh gosh, at the warehouse. Yeah, at the I warehouse. Yep. I auditioned this thing. Yeah, was not too impressed, I guess. And I've been out of dance for a couple of years at that point. And uh, yeah, but they had me paint the sets and stuff for one of their shows. Oh, uh, yeah. So and they were gracious enough and I did it and they kind of paid me and we, we were done. But a lot of my other performers had gone through Greg Thompson's, you know, warehouse and stuff like that and did some spectacular uh, shows. Missa gets wonderful. She's a super great lady. I love her pieces, even though I never worked with her. But yet you see her on the social media and uh, I buy my costumes from her. I have a my French cabaret, if you come see it, because you live here in Seattle. Absolutely. Those are almost all missing get costumes. Wow. So we try to keep each it's other. It's a world. Like, Isn't it amazing? It's a, like, how do we help you out? Because she said, they're in storage. It makes me happy they're on stage. Aww. There's just a, I think a lot of us are feeling a little 
nostalgic and a sweet movie more sentimental mm -hmm. like a lot of us that we didn't appreciate it when we were there and then like watching the Lido clothes and watching Ugh, I saw the Trump was it the Tropicana I, just, I was there when I never worked there but a lot of people did Sean was there uh you uh Donna Browning does that ring yeah, yeah 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 and Kevin were there so I got to be there with the friends and the people that I knew and then uh it would be torn down so yeah I even though I was never in that like the last hotel of the yeah, we all connect in one way or another, which is fantastic. But it, do you you went on to some more shows, though, right? Well, what had happened was, yeah, I had worked for the MGM and decided to, I think it turned to Bally's at that point. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I really, I still got this bug to go to New York or do something with my life. So I just told Jillian, I said, I'm going to go back to Sacramento. I moved in with my ballet master that said, great, I'd be a roommate. And I am not kidding. I would just got moved in to his house over the weekend. He disappeared. He was gone somewhere. I get a call from Pat McKechnie, who worked for Frederick Abcar. Yeah, yeah. At this point, they have in Harris Hotel, Hot Streak. Mm -hmm. So the two boys, it's like bookends, two boys, a lead girl. There's a second lead in the course of girls. So it's probably 10 or 12 performers compared to 150 on stage. And of course, we, all of us had probably seen their shows, either in Tahoe or yeah. Reno, and they're just like, wow, uh, Ronnie Lewis is, you know, phenomenal in his choreography. And so Hot Streak was very sophisticated and very uh, cool. But anyway, I'd left and Pat had called me and says, we've got a situation. We've got a boy, Jesse Garcia, just wonderful. We're still friends to this day on social media. And he wants to take a vacation for about a month. He's going to go to L.A. He's going to chase his dreams. So we need a guy. And so at that moment, they had the star had platinum blonde, short Manelli hair, very short. Uh, Is that Diane McDonald? Yes, it was Diane McDonald. Still to get her. Exactly. <laughs> and she had her two boys that were uh, dark hair guys. Jesse was dark, but that was his boy, Victor Culver. And so it was okay. And the show, of course, was fabulous. I came up, met with Pat McKechnie. We watched, I'd seen the show many times. We sat, and of course, I don't, don't drink alcohol in front of a boss or anything. So I was coffee as we sat in the show and watched it. And she says, that's what you'll be doing. Would you be interested? I said, are you kidding me? So as I moved actually back home, I turned around and moved back to Reno like two days later oh my gosh. and I didn't have any place to live. I was, you know, somebody said, you can crash in my house. The stagehands were very super supportive, super nice because they kind of got it. They knew what was going on and started rehearsals with Victor Culver. Uh, Victor is a good old boy from Texas is the best way I could say. And very polite, but business, business the whole way. And so as we're, and actually Victor allowed me to stay with him too. So um, his partner at that time was David Orofant. And David now is successful uh, down in LA, but still friends with him from that mm -hmm. moment. I mean, it's amazing the connections. So we start rehearsals and I'm just in awe of being there. I, I, I just love Victor. And it's just he and I in this little studio, just he and I, he's teaching me the things. And I'm just like, I'm just so, I'm happy, I'm laughing and all this. He stops looks at me straight in the face and goes, I don't know what's going on. 
if you don't like the way I'm teaching you, we can get somebody else. And I like froze like a deer in headlights going, what, what, what? Well, stop laughing. I'm like, I'm laughing. But anyway, he really. You were feeling the joy. Oh, God, yeah. I was just, oh, my God, God, this is so much fun. I'm getting funky and whatever we say. So I was on high, and all of a sudden, I got put in my place. Oh, my gosh. So all of a sudden, it was all business, and I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And the girls come in, and again, here we are. We're doing a number that has a strip in it. That means the guy goes down to boots and a hat. (laughs) And I'm like, how do you rehearse that number? I think I know the end of this film. I'll let you tell me because I think I can almost, I've seen this number. (laughs) So the number's spectacular because it's this party uh, leotards with multicolors. I've got (laughs) pictures of it. It's just, it's kind of interesting, but when you see the number, it's just incredible. So the girls are just breaking their butt. They're just working super, 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 super hard. And we come out and there's stories about this as well. It's um, we're in these kind of suits and they're pastel colors. It's green, pink, and yellow. Mine was the pink one. And then one of those girls becomes partnered with said guy, but the middle one is actually Diane McDonald. And I got to work with her for about a month and because she was wanting out bad. She was just done the show. She wanted out badly. And she was trying to figure out her next move, but she gave her notice as I started working with them. Huh. So we're doing this number. And basically, it's way down south in Birmingham. Um, a lot of these real hard strikes of music. And something comes up. A tie comes off. We're smoking a cigarette. We put a cigarette on stage. We got a cup. And the suit comes, shirt, pants, all this stuff. And the very end is we're sitting with our chapeau hats in front of us. And the girls take her boxers off. But of course, you are like hiding everything. Um, but again, to tell that story is just crazy because to audition it, or to not audition, to practice it, it was like, okay, you learn the steps. And now, come on, girl, come on in here and just do it. And this is not on stage. This is just rehearsal. So there was no practice except do it. And again, I remember I'm about 22, 23. So I... I I don't know. It was very different. Uh, and then once that transition from rehearsal to on stage, it was very intimate because it's a cabaret stage rather than this huge, huge theater that we come from. And so the pride that I had was so much that I was very grateful. And I just worked. That show did not stop. Mm-hmm. And it is just amazing. <laughs> so I'm in the show. I finally get the show. You got to remember, I learned that show in a week, in like five days, was in it that weekend. Jesse was gone. And so I'm just working my butt off, thinking I'm just doing great and all this stuff. And and Diamond McDonald comes off stage. And she turns to me and goes, I don't know what you're doing, but you better get your together or I'm going to kick your ass. I was like, whoa. And I'm like, I'm first very proud to work for this lady. Now she's going to beat me up. Um, so then I got really scared and I just started really working harder. And um, and Victor was my counterpart. And uh, so that was fine. And when Diane actually left, because this is all within a month period of time. It was very, very fast. Diane watched the show from that. Now, you understand we had Delia Shepard replace her. And that was completely night and day. Mm-hmm. And Don McDonald was very unhappy. 
I mean, this this alternate that came in, she just wasn't happy. But I actually broke her in. Uh, we actually went to Paris together with Delia Shepard. Um, and okay, so we made it all work out. But what I'm getting at is after the show, Diane comes back. And of course, everybody knows Diane. The girl's like, oh, we're going to miss you, blah, blah, blah. And she came up to me and said, I get it. Mm. You're finally, you got it. I'm like, oh. So it was a learning. And plus, uh, Adrian, who we both know Adrian, he came and saw the show. Uh, loved it. He was just very proud of me. And that was something mm. very special. From that, I then finished. And I'll, I'll cut the story very quickly here. I went back to Sacramento again. Uh, and I get a call from Pat McKechnie again. And some months had passed by. And she said, would you be interested in going to Paris? Mm. <laughs> so that started a whole other chapter. And I, where did, where did um, Ronnie Lewis, where, what theater did they do when they were in Paris? So it was the original Lido. Oh, really? And we called it Soissons de Suite, which was, you know, Club 78. And I guess yeah. that was the number of the building. And it was, you go into the, we call it a, um, well, it's a shop, the designer, the perfumery, yeah. the restaurant is kind of in that. Thank you, the mall. You'd enter it and you go downstairs. And yeah. you have never in your life seen so much red velvet in your life. <laughs> um, but again, there it is. It's a dinner theater. Um, and that's where we performed. And I was there for about three years doing different shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was an amazing experience because the stage is not very big, except they have an apron that jets out into the audience that goes down to table floor level. Mm. On the stage at the beginning will be a band, and that is kind of for dancing, and people are eating. It's an entire evening. Mm. The floor then rises, the band leaves, the show begins. And so we would use that apron to make our entire theater you know, experience. Yeah. So we were literally in the audience. And then for sure. Ronnie Lewis, it, Lewis, it has to be up close and personal. It doesn't, like a flat yeah. stage probably does, because that energy, oh, yeah. you vibrate in the audience. Oh, yeah. What was your life like in Paris? That's very different from Reno. It's up from exactly. Um, oh, my God. I fell in love with it, because mm -hmm. being artistic, and I know how to draw and paint and all this other stuff. That's the other side of me. You'll find a lot of performers are also artisans. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was in Paris... I lived in an area called Montmartre when I first arrived there. Then I lived in Jules-Jean So I lived very close to the Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Um, so being a part of that and immersed into it, being an artist, the history, mm. I felt like I was at home because yeah. I'd only lived in Reno, mm. Sacramento. And so I really didn't even, I lived in LA for a short period of about a few months trying to make it there. Um, but anyway, Paris just fit. And if there was anywhere I could live, it would be there. Yeah. You know, um, you can get anywhere, do anything. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't learn French really well. I learned a little bit. I could get around. Um, but it was off and on for about three years I was there. And, and the show got taken over there. And it went from, it, it changed to Hot Shock. And then the French people bought it and made it another show. And I couldn't do it anymore because it just kept, lowering our salaries to mm. a third of what they were oh my gosh. we were the highest when we arrived the highest paid show that's there is crazy horse and it's mm. got a history and the girls get paid very well we were paid higher than they were 
when really? we first arrived. Yeah, what they did is they made a deal with us that said, um, you'll get your US salary at the French franc. So of course, you know, and then all of a sudden devaluation happened. Like we have a quarter, four quarters for a dollar. They'd have like, they'd wish for four francs for a dollar, but it would be 12 of theirs to one of our dollars. So yeah, we were, oh my God, we were all in heaven for, you know, we had to sign a year contract. So we are, we're going to have to, I, this could go on for a long time. No. I have way more questions. So what do you, we're going to jump way ahead. Absolutely. Like, so you're about, you're in Washington state. What are you doing now? Like, what is your life like now? Cause he was like, what do, what do these people do when they're right. dancing? Cause we can't do that forever. Sadly. Yeah. Uh, I, I arrived, I was doing a show. I was doing a show in the Bahamas mm -hmm. for Dick Francisco. At that time, that was contracted a year and it was a real tough one emotionally for me because that show just was, had spectacular performers. People worked really hard, but the show itself was just something. They brought it to Seattle? No, 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 no. Oh, but I'm getting it. to how oh. I ended up in Seattle, okay. which was I wanted to get a degree. So uh, coming to Seattle in 1990, I entered into the Art Institute. Oh, really? And so, yep, graduated out of that. But while I was here, what are you going to do? And I tried to get dancing like Arthur Murray, something to do with dancing. Didn't pan out. And I got a Safeway job. Hmm. So it was weird. I was reliving when I was 16. And I didn't have any of these jobs. So I worked at Safeway. I worked for Nordstrom's Clothing. I did. And it's so different than what we're used to. Um and uh, then I, I locally had done some set designs and, and things like that that were artistically. Dance-wise, I kind of faded out of it. Uh, I did one last hurrah down in Vegas, a Jubilee and auditioned, and I just thought, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Wow. I just don't want to put myself through that. It's amazing what performers put themselves yeah. through. And... I had gone through these auditions in my earlier days that were very stressful. And so I was used to that stress. And I thought, no, I don't do this any longer. But I came back, kept working. Nordstrom's, I absolutely loved Nordstrom's working in the high fashion um, sports, men's sportswear. Um, then I changed completely into heating and air conditioning because my degree is in industrial design so mm -hmm. i could use my hands and be creative and so i could do hands-on learn a different things so i started that in 2002 had my own business for about six and a half years and i still do that to this day but i'm about ready to you know retire so uh, yeah so it's a hard transition i know i'm oh, gotcha. back and i'm trying to find my dance community here I was teaching dance, but when you get to like, I don't want to do any more auditions. I don't want to do like your body says enough, but then to have to switch to be like a regular person, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a really hard. I think a lot of us are going, yeah, that transition is not very smooth. And a lot of people I've seen go into like the airlines. I actually auditioned for the airlines. Uh, they'll go into real estate. Uh, they're very, all of them are really good at what they do. You know, well, I was asked, I've heard a lot of people say, there's things of doing those shows. Cause there's the, like the cruise ship shows. Those were great, yeah. but doing a bigger show, I feel like life skills I got is different of being a part of this well-oiled machine. Absolutely. Is there anything that you think of when you do those shows that translates to your life now? Because you know, like there's people that do dance companies and all that for mm -hmm. a short time, but what we were doing, like 
the expectation that if you screw something up, oh yeah, it's a little bit higher oh, price. Yeah. yeah, like what, like some of those things. Like, what do you notice? Like when you have some of those things. Like, oh yeah, this is something that made me stronger as a person, as a performer, as a collaborator. Mm -hmm. No, those are all exactly what you get and learn from those those opportunities of being lucky enough to be a part of any of these shows. I always felt it was a blessing to have that opportunity to go to Paris. But to answer your question, the show that I kind of really, my heyday, the hot streak, hot shock, whatever it was called, two guys. We had one day off. There was no understudies. There's not, so when it came to the future, I have more of a dedication to stand up. Now I'm getting older and, you know, I'm like tired and stuff like that, but I know that I don't look for somebody to take my place or we got like five guys that could do it. And you could be sick or I just don't feel like it. There's a, there's a drive, there's a commitment, there's uh, a learned that you have a responsibility. Uh, you can get this. Don't make, don't take something and look down upon it. Like, Oh, you need to go sweep over there. Mm. Wait, wait, wait. I, I did that. Now I'm a checker. Why do I I'll go do that? And you don't take that that one job that sounds like it's in what you're doing. Like you may own a studio, but you have to maintain it. And nobody is above the small job that has to happen. But what I'm getting at is you don't look at that small job as it's a bad thing. You just wow. do it. And then what happens is, is that enthusiasm comes out and the people around you are drawn to you. Your opportunities are open. Uh, I have not stopped working since I arrived in Seattle, but it's it's layman. It's just standard work that we all struggle. And I had to start from the ground, from making thousands of dollars to my first job. My my mother at that time, my mother did my taxes and said, do you know how much you made? But you got to understand, I was a full-time student. And she goes, you made $10,000 this year. <laughs> um, because I was like a courtesy clerk at 30 years old. But from there, things happen, but you have to start. And it is tough. It's very tough. And the stories that I hear and the lives that we've lived, uh, you know, but the people that I've met and that are my friends to this day, I, I Bill Strickland, mm -hmm. um, I love him to pieces. Uh, I honestly do. Um, you know, and there's others and I've lost touch, uh, but everybody that I've ever crossed paths with within our performing world has left an impression with me the rest of my life. That's why I wanted to do this little, uh, little that's thing. Yeah, that, that's yeah. beautiful. I feel like, well, I did a lot of shows and I just, people, I can't remember the name that were in my yeah, cast. We're all like, absolutely. It, but there was something like when we started doing the reunions mm -hmm. and I haven't gone, I don't know the other producers that have reunions. I went to one for great time. You're right, yeah. But the Blue Belt thing, I just feel like there's a different connection there. Like. Even like we didn't work at the same time, like maybe true. we did. So you go to that these reunions and, and go, we didn't work together. I feel like we did. Like there is a connection I feel to that period in my life that's different true. than other ones. I don't know. I think it is because you were part of something. Like when people, I have people here, these young people, like, can you not answer an email? Like, how do you exist in the real world that you don't <laughs> communicate or you don't show up on time? Like those are like horrific to us. Like, how do you not show up? The show can't go on if you're late. Like you already have this work ethic of how your part matters in yeah. a big picture where I think there's so much individuality, which is wonderful when some of the new generation been like, yeah, but you, you have to understand you show up for everybody, not just yourself. Yeah. And it's crazy because I think that, I think we also had wonderful bosses. I mean, mm -hmm. I speak praises of Jillian Hoshoe and Adrian and 
Adrian would make up gay names for all the straight guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was Connie. And it, anyway, but there was such a, you know, it was in fun. Mm -hmm. It was in love. And and they cared. They really, really cared. Uh, so we, we worked hard, we play hard. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I can still remember the girls doing Paul Revere softball tournament. So there's always things going on on the outside constantly um, that people would be involved in and, and continue their education or create families. That's the other thing I don't think people really get. People created lives uh -huh. underneath the, those shows. Mm -hmm. I'm in a place now I fall in love and but that's we're, exciting we're, we're doing a long distance and I'm like I'm gonna move there oh he's in Canada he's, he's in Canada in Toronto and mm -hmm. so before I'm like I'm starting to feel settled but I'm like I've done this so many times and you mm -hmm. start over mm -hmm. not knowing anybody and you find your people you create community you find people that are like-minded because how many times do we do that over and over and over mm -hmm. so I've had this time of now like raising my kids and move those but my neighbors even move so you are always starting over but i, I feel can't like, believe we're so close and we haven't had coffee and <laughs> because you start just talking and you talk about stories and people and I, i'm kind of sad that it's taken this long for me to get to you because people are like yeah you better talk to him he talks a lot or whatever <laughs> but uh no i i've had a good life and i knew those like having the opportunity to live in paris i kept telling myself i don't know if this is ever going to happen again in my life so i better be appreciative, really love it. Um, I did some other things. I, I sculpted. I love the body performing. So I decided that I would create a line of porcelain statuary really? that they were, uh, yeah, they'd be in jumping and you would mount them to the wall. So they were six or eight inch figures. Uh, and I did a whole line of them. They never really went anywhere, but they were a lot of work. Jillian has bought them from me. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow, so I could go to someone else in your artwork. Possibly, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. So there's, yeah, I've just done a lot of chapters in my life that kind of keep going. Right now, happily married uh, for 12 years, mm. and uh, she's wonderful. Where'd you meet her? Facebook. <laughs> it's in C. It's there. Yeah. Wow. And so it was just one of these. You can send a wave to somebody, and then it. And I never expected it. And I was going through a situation that was a divorce, and. Uh, so that was there, and I was just, just I wasn't part of social media, but I just started doing the distraction going there, and there would be this, you know, how you can swipe right or left or something like that. It didn't get to that level, but you could send somebody a wink, and I thought, oh, she's pretty, wink. Next thing I know, she responded, goes, hi, let's talk. And so we got off that, got on social media, and that's a whole nother story. Mm. She's Colombian. She's an architect by trade. She's a U.S. citizen now. I brought her here to the States here in her really? daughter. It's super exciting. Oh, yes. Okay. So you yeah. did the long distance thing. It works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. like feeling there's this, there's second chance romance. Well, I'm very thankful because again, in my thirties and forties here, it was bumpy. It was really yeah. rough. And so not knowing what was going to happen, where was gonna, I kept thinking I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to be part of these theme casinos, you know, like the Venetian and yeah. because I love art. And I got a degree in industrial design, so we could, I can read blueprints. I can do a lot of things. But just to be a part of that. And one thing left, left to another. I just never left. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And there's a few. Like Michelle Brown, was, uh, she was like a principal at the Lido in Paris for a long time. She lives Gig Harbor. Oh, my God. There's another person can name her name right now. She is about 10, 15 minutes from here. I interviewed her. I'll think of her name later. There's probably six or seven now because you told me there's one in Tacoma. 
There's yeah. more of us than I knew. So oh, we should do our own mini um, reunion here. When I'm talking about Dick Francisco, oh, uh, Tracy Starr. She was a oh, yeah. pony that's here. Uh, on my Facebook, I've got all these people. Let's do a little uh, mini reunion. Yeah, we could, I could, because they kind of, Mary Lou, uh, Patty Luce is another gal that is in Seattle here that worked with me in the Bahamas. I did the Bahamas for a year. You know, there's a ton of Greg Thompson people that are from oh, God, Seattle. Yeah. We yeah. might just have to get the feathers out. And, and then, be, <laughs> I, you know what, it might, you know, it, you could do something at like the studio like here. Can mm -hmm. we just like wine and just chit yeah, chat and just together. laugh? And maybe people have pictures and they could do a little side presentation or something. All right, we're putting it out there. We're, ah! this, like, we're gonna do a Seattle reading more about of course, all still here. That's the thing, is like especially the how many people we lost in the eighties oh. AIDS and so there's like all these things that we we didn't grieve together then because we were all right. without social media. No. That's the really thing that that you never know. And, and to be able to reconnect for a moment. Um, some people, I just understand, they don't want to be a part of social media mm -hmm. and totally respect that. But I'm grateful. Um, Hardy Keith, does that name ring a bell? Mm -hmm. And got to see him at the last reunion and, and he had some struggles. And he's, mm -hmm. and I was very happy to see him before. That's like when I talked to Adrian and he yeah. passed like a year after. I'm like, it's so sad because I always loved him. Oh, yeah. When I worked there, but I think at San Marino, I didn't really talk to him. So this was like, okay, I had this beautiful opportunity to get to talk. And he was still oh, just so passionate about life at, at, at all the way up to the end. Like, just like, I'm so happy for everything I've gotten to do. So I'm like, I'm glad I got to talk to him because we don't know. Yeah, him and Dee Dee Sherman were constantly close. You'd always see pictures together. And and one of the reunions, might have been the one that we were out together, that somebody had cut out his face, put it on the yes, stick. Oh my God. And he was in every... <laughs> I love that. See, these are great stories. And and I'm so happy to see when other people, like you talked about the Cruise Lions and, and Green Street. Uh, all, we know each other from Sacramento and Best of Broadway or something like that. But yet you see her celebrating her life and performing with the cruise ship people that she connected with. So it's, it's yeah. always really wonderful to see, even though you may know somebody through somebody else, but there's a connection. Um, and that's what's really special. I'm excited for whenever we do another, whoever's going to take that job on. What job? What? To do another reunion. Because There's one happening. Is there? Yeah. They, they did a mini one in, just recently. I saw that. And then they're going to do it in June or July. Kind of mini one or a big one? No, a big one. Really? Yep. I know Lindsay Raven did the one in Paris. I'll send, it, I'll send it to you, the link. Because I just, um, we're gonna, I feel like because I've done so many interviews, Instead of going in knowing two people, mm -hmm. I'm gonna know everyone I've done an interview because I've like seen your face like right here in person. Like right, I right, think right, the right. next year is gonna be way different. Like I know four people out of these three hundred people. So many people come and we've aged, and then you're not sure if you should. Is that you know, so so? I saw you know Jonas and Lucia. Yeah, Lucia was pushing this little cart with a dog in it. And I thought, this is kind of weird, but again, I I. We are did make it, and I choose my partner like half the time. Really? Yeah, and she was very sweet. I think I had to ride horses on her property one time. Yano, she was wonderful. I'm so happy I got to see him. Yeah. You know, and the kids, you know, dressed up. I wasn't there, but one previous, I think it was the first one, the kids were dressed up in the, you know, the people come out when the plane comes out and they're like tourists. Yeah, yeah. Like in a blue jumpsuit or a white kind of thing. They were in those and they were their kids. Oh, my God. They were tall, blonde kids. Really? Yeah. So. All right. Everybody, keep paying attention for reunions. We're going to make this happen. 
to the state by state, we got to get us all in the same room because then I wanted to sit down like, okay, let's just all tell our stories. That's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, Pete. That's what Pete did. I think the costume designer, oh, yeah. everybody met him and he was there and he was so gracious and he still is just amazing. And he keeps throwing pictures up on social media that he just got. And I always make a comment like, when is this going to become a book? You he, know? Does, he said he doesn't want to do it because I just bought, bought Mackey's. Yeah. I've interviewed Pete almost more than anybody else. Pete is amazing. He's full of story. And I think I I've done stories. seven and he's barely tapped into like his, just his performing besides his design. We You've done seven interviews with him? I think I've done seven because he's been on different panels with it too. But we played a game like, what has Pete not designed? And I was sort of, we've done dog shows, haven't done dog shows. Like, yeah. okay, there's one. Yeah. We've done toddlers and terrors, and I haven't done that. But he's done everything. Oh, no, he'll put something up and you go, who is that? And that was for such and such a show. It's and like I'm just like, Charlie's Angels, you know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is obscure. But you go, wow, he really was, like, uh, you know, amazing and, and famous. And he's and, super sweet and super oh, sweet. God. He will message me if there's a, an, an interview, oh, yeah. especially if it's a little bit more heartfelt. He will take a point, make a point to say, I really love that that interview. So I consider Pete one of my friends. I yeah. went met up with him in, in LA. So we had lunch there. I'm like, you, yeah, I just, I can't believe what doing the interviews has afforded me to have friends that I would never have. And the story. And, and the, the story. And we're just full of story. I'm all yeah. about stories. So like, I feel like I'm holding this giant, treasure trove you are when your um, book came out i was just like uh, boy I can't be. no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm gonna probably do a part two because i had to stop at some point because it's so stinking fast i saw that it was like a full it's, book it's so big so there's there's some that didn't do that one i also didn't do the bluebell adjacent just because i had to stop somewhere but now there's so many more i'm gonna do a part two i have to rest because that was so much work wow but we'll do we'll have to do another one because there's more stories and yeah. yeah. How many other people are reaching out? You got people reaching out, or are you reaching out to them? It's kind of both. Sometimes there's people will say, hey, well, now you're contact famous. My... That's weird. <laughs> but yeah, there's people like contact my friend, or then I'll see somebody comment. I'm like, do you want to do one? Mm-hmm. And some people don't respond. And so I try to balance it between the ones that go way back. And I had one that I had to reschedule. It's like jury duty starting tomorrow. But I had one girl from the Paris that picture, I had pictures that she posted the Lido when it closed. I really wanted yeah. to hear her story. And then I had to reschedule because of jury duty but i really want both all the generations represented that's what they did as a trump they had like bam because it was closing they had these people and then they grouped them to the years like this is back when and i'm telling you i mean to hear from that story and also i miss because there were groups and they were much older groups than what i was using but they probably have stories and they know people and i also wish because now that somebody started you know ronnie passing and people are coming up with with videos and stuff and me seeing my counterpart that i worked with in paris as a young guy in a studio with Ron, i wished he would have told me this story yeah. or i could have seen that yeah. because i used to look at him like he was a pain in my butt <laughs> victor you're driving me crazy but yeah you know just working working work but i missed knowing his past because wow i just thought he was kind of plain i mean literally just kind of plain no he was he is very very talented and i was i should have been more respectful do you know what i'm saying almost everybody says they wish they did pay more attention they wish they had made more effort to connect we were just having we were 20. i think i was probably the youngest done this more i wish i had taken advantage of this i wish i'd asked that person next to me like well i started when i was 21. uh do you know her mother was a ballet teacher and jelana Jelana, oh, yeah, Jelana, yeah, Jelana, yeah, we're best friends. She was like the next. What I'm saying is, when I started, I was 21, 
So all these people in their mid-20s or, or like 25, 26, and they were like, oh, yeah, you were a pain in the butt when you started. But then, I, you know, like mid-20s now, and then uh, Jelana comes on board, you know, like she was just 18, yeah. and they brought gorgeous, gorgeous girls. I remember thinking that 30-year-olds were so old. Yeah, they're so old. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wait, we were, yeah, like the the babies at eighteen, nineteen, and then the twenty are like, where where the adults? I just, I just was in, I was in heaven because again, having the opportunity, doing what I love to do, was was something very special. And again, like I said, the people that I, you know, some people are kind of distance when you think because they're looking at you as a young, yeah, that you don't know what you're Green. talking about, <laughs> yeah. But uh, again, the ones that were very kind and and and. Uh, I guess open. Mm-hmm. John Paul Reeves is a very open person. As you said, Sean is a very yeah. open person. And I think when you are realizing nobody's trying to get anything from you, but they're just trying to be kind and listen. Yeah. I think when you get to that place, we're no longer competing with each other. Exactly. You're not competing for the position. You're all, you made it. Now you can relax and not, nobody's a threat. No, nobody. you are. You are competing. And then to get past that is really, I think that was my final straw was everything I did I was going to beat the person that was next to me. I was mm-hmm. going to do it. And yet in the end of my last audition, I'm like, I don't want to, you know, and that was the other thing is when I did the whole original uh, audition in Reno, I took to heart that I took someone's job indirectly, but I told myself I would never take someone's job away from them again. Mm-hmm. And that's just a statement, but going through that, and really thinking back that uh, they had to get rid of that. I felt really bad yeah. because I, I want to be good, but I want to be a part of something. I don't want to be the down from somebody else's, um, you know, reason they lost it. It wasn't that. They just made a decision. They want this person over that person, but you have to compete. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what you see on all these uh, dance shows now. These kids are just scary good. I mean, they're doing things that are acrobatic. And I'm just like, you know, it was a different time. Yeah. And uh, I miss those shows. Yeah. We don't have to compete with anybody. So, uh, Kevin, this was wonderful. Did well, thank you. Wanna, you. I, actually, because the people that got me to talk to you, do you want to say a little something to Bill and Sean before we say goodbye? Um, no, I just miss you guys. And I wish Sean could get his butt up here to yeah, uh, Sean. Seattle. <laughs> um, and of course, Bill, you've been here. Please come back. And see me next time. Yeah. And we could all get together here. Uh, with Sherry and, and start laughing and tell silly stories about each other. Uh, I'm sure we have some. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I miss everybody and and it's great kind of reminiscing. Good time. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs>